Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Dig in and let me share my favorite recipes with you. From Easter ham to Passover haroset to a strawberry shortcake to live for, on this show it's my goal to improve your life one meal at a time. And so I'm bringing you all the flavor and putting the dishes together for you because if food is your fetish, well then I am supplying the tools. You can gain culinary intelligence every weekend and if you're passionate about the process, Let me feed your insatiable appetite. This is a discussion among foodies. Everything from chef secrets to culinary trends, restaurant news to kitchen gossip, great travel and health, and all about living the best life. And so we have the best culinary thinkers on this show, and it is my goal to feed your soul. You'll find me serving up seconds at chefjamie.com, and my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is at Chef Jamie Gwen. So let's get this party started, shall we? Okay, the hunt is over. Well, the Easter egg hunt will soon begin. Next weekend, in fact, and Passover begins, the Jewish high holiday as well. So spring is here, and eggs are quintessential spring. And Easter makes me think of deviled eggs. And I love deviled eggs. I like to kick off this show with a tutorial of sorts, a technique that will make you the best cook you know. And nobody doesn't like deviled eggs. They're a classic, a crowd-pleasing snack, perfect for brunches or lunches or backyard barbecues, and they're really foolproof, but better yet, they take spice and creativity really, really well. Now, the traditional take on a deviled egg is simply a hard-boiled egg with the yolk blended smoothly, mayonnaise, mustard, a little seasoning, and then spooned or piped back into the halves and then somehow freshly garnished, right? But what would happen if you added a kimchi puree to your yolks, or a little bit of avocado, or smoked trout. Oh, just think how incredible those deviled eggs would be. So however you like them, I have a few new takes on the incredible edible deviled egg to share. The very best deviled egg I've ever had was served in New York City, and it was many, many moons ago. And I remember the first bite because it was an epiphany. This deviled egg did not have any fancy ingredients. It really didn't even have an embellished garnish, but it was a very decidedly simple affair. The key, plenty of acid, lots of mustard, and this generous drizzle of fruity extra virgin olive oil for added luxurious mouthfeel. Now, it all conspired, these ingredients, to make the deviled eggs brighter and tastier than I had had before. They were really irresistible. And so I dug deep to find the secret, and I now make my deviled eggs just the same way. Are you ready? I'm about to divulge. So a bit of creme fraiche, French sour cream, added to the yolks with the mayonnaise, 
gives you a mouthfeel beyond compare. Now, I love creme fraiche, and I often buy it in place of sour cream, and I'll tell you why. Because this luscious, rich French sour cream that is decidedly tart or bright or a bitey in in acid um, has lots of beautiful benefits. If you add it to a soup or a sauce, it does not break or curdle for that matter like other dairy does. And so I try to keep it on hand. I happen to love the texture of creme fraiche myself as well. And so I'll use it in place of sour cream because it just adds that much more oomph. And when you add some creme fraiche, again, to your mayonnaise and yolk mixture for a deviled egg, it's out of this world. Now, my basic or standard or I have to say uh, crave-worthy deviled eggs also have a splash of champagne vinegar for bright acidic flavor. And champagne vinegar tends to have a less Uh, highly acidic backbite, so I use it intentionally. Then Dijon mustard is essential, and flaky sea salt adds a textural component that I love. And that's exactly how I make my standard deviled eggs, because I crave them. Now, you can amp up your deviled eggs in a multitude of ways. You could make the basic go-to Add that creme fraiche, champagne vinegar, Dijon mustard, flaky sea salt. Or you could take my subtle but flavor bomb approach and you could go crazy with some fabulous flavor. It really is a blank slate, I think, the deviled egg. So here goes. For the designer version, you can add wasabi or goat cheese and totally mix it up. You can add truffle oil and fresh chives to your yolk mixture and have something really fancy. Maybe you love spring pesto and you want to celebrate with pesto deviled eggs or crumbled bacon and cheddar is a crazy great combo. How about adding smoked salmon for salty goodness or garnishing the top with a little bit of smoked salmon and a fresh sprig of dill? Or what about adding lump crab for a crab deviled egg that will certainly delight. That sounds really good right about now, right? Yum. A few chef's notes for you on deviled eggs. I do like to boil more eggs than I need so that I can add extra yolks and overstuff each of the egg halves. You really can never have too much egg yolk. Uh, Chives or parsley, uh, that crunchy sea salt, the Malden or flake sea salt, Uh, always a nice garnish, or a sprinkling of good smoked paprika finishes off a deviled egg in high style. So elevate from the traditional paprika and use the Spanish style pimenton. You can use mild or also called sweet or the hot version. And you've heard me, hopefully you thought it was wax poetic about pimenton or smoked paprika on this show. I love it. I use it in everything and it is a standard in my spice cabinet. And then uh, another chef's tip. I stuff a pastry bag with the yolk filling to pipe it into the eggs. Um, I use a pastry bag without a tip and I just get a, a really nice sort of blossom of egg yolk mayonnaise mixture in my whites. You can actually get the same effect by spooning the filling into a Ziploc bag and then snipping off a corner of the baggie and piping the filling in at the last moment. There are a couple of ways, by the way, to put out deviled eggs that 
really impress on a buffet. You can make the deviled eggs in advance completely actually. But if you refrigerate them, I encourage you to please take them out of the refrigerator at least 20 minutes before serving because they don't have much flavor if they're so cold. I will gladly share my recipes and best tips. Just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. And to deviled eggs, I hope you have a very happy Easter. And for those of you celebrating, like my family, uh, a beautiful Passover as well. Okay, it's time for food news this week. This is good stuff. I read a fascinating article in a produce journal a few days ago, wanted to share that innovation with you. So, Florida-based Premier Citrus, the name of the company, is set to begin shipping citrus with something called natural light labeling. It's uh, called NLL. Natural light labeling is a system that works by concentrating a beam of light onto the fruit in order to remove the pigment and it subsequently produces a natural label. Now, the company says it is a clean and efficient alternative to a traditional sticker label, which I think is fabulous because if you've ever ruined a pear by trying to remove the label, I know drives me crazy too. But this new natural light labeling also boasts some other benefits. The main benefit of NLL is food safety through traceability. It's also permanent, it's non-transferable, and it's tamper-proof. And it uses no consumables, so it needs only light to print an image or a set of numbers. It's a totally green product, environmentally friendly, and it consumes very little energy. And Valencia oranges will be the first in the U.S. to tout this natural light label. And so now you know. That's pretty cool, right? All right, look for it next time you're in the produce section. I'm going to look for it as well. Now, there is so much more fabulous food in your radio. He is Food & Wine's culinary director, and I'm proud to call him my friend, the uber-talented Justin Chappell is here. Also, Nathan Turner creates beautiful designs, and so he's stopping by to celebrate the season. Please stay tuned. There is lots more delicious conversation coming up in your radio right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Oh, we have the best culinary thinkers on this show, and we're dedicated to making every day more delicious. I just love it when this genius stops by to dish. You know and love Justin Chappell from his brilliant and wonderfully wacky cooking hacks, as seen on his James Beard-nominated video series, Mad Genius Tips. He's the culinary director at Food & Wine, and his new book release, Just Cook It, will arm you with chef-quality recipes designed for home cooks. It's a really wonderful collection of recipes that make you feel connected to Justin's childhood, to the food that he loves. So listen here, because Justin Chappell stopped by to up your game And I am so proud to welcome him back to the show. Hello, my friend. I am glad to talk to you again. 
Oh, it's so good to hear your voice, Jamie. <laughs> Thank How are you? you? I'm well, and you? I'm wonderful. I'm super excited. Yes. I'm really excited for this book. And well-deserved. I hope that the world will get excited. Oh, and the world is already excited because there was uh, much a buzz in waiting the anticipation of the release of Just Cook It. And I love that it's a tribute to your childhood favorite dishes. I know you mentioned a box of macaroni and and cheese in the intro, but then you go on to talk about your grandmother, I believe, who could make something from nothing, and and that was the inspiration. Then you put your twist on it, right? Right. So, you know, I grew up like most people, I think, did in in the United States. I'm an everyday boy-next-door kind of guy, Mm -hmm. and um, one of the things I really wanted to do was incorporate a lot of the things I remember eating when I was a kid. And, you know, we didn't grow up with a lot of money or anything like that, but my grandma would, would transform, like, simple things like box mac and cheese or, um, you know, packaged ramen noodles into something really fun. Like her ramen noodles, for example, she would, you know, throw an egg on top and some scallions and some chicken broth, and she'd pop it in the microwave, and it came out as something totally different. And so I really wanted to kind of incorporate those types of recipes in the book. Um, of course, they have my spin on it, which uh, in- includes, you know, I've maybe kicked it up a notch or made yes. it a little more upscale, but still very much every day. Yes. And there are recipes we can relate to, but I had, and this is, I think, the greatest compliment to another chef and cookbook author and mad genius, uh, not that I'm calling myself one, but I had epiphanies reading through the book. Like, <gasps> Oh my God, how come I never did that to a Reuben before? You know, things like that that were really inspiring to me. Uh, Before we delve into the recipes, though, there is some newfound Justin Chappell genius wisdom throughout the book, and you call them basics. But if I start with a sentence, will you finish it, please? Sure. Let's try it. The easiest crispy bacon is made in the oven. Oven. I agree. (laughs) <laughs> okay, tell us how. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I feel like it's one of those things that um, I feel like everyone knows about this, but the more and more I talk to my friends and family, the more I realize people still don't know how to do it. Or practice it, yes. Yeah, and you, you, spread, you, know, you spread your bacon slices on a large room's baking sheet that's lined with foil, and you bake it for like 15, 20 minutes in a 400-degree oven. And um, I mean... I don't know about anyone else, but it's really the best way to cook a whole pound of bacon at once. Yes, and it's quick and it's clean. And as far as clean up is concerned, I think it's very smart. Um, Okay, next, uh, finish this sentence. Uh, To make mistake-proof hard-boiled eggs, you should... Use a soft pan just big enough to hold your eggs. Yes. (laughs) Because, and I like the the, the definition, the description you give, because you can control the amount of time it takes for the water to come to a boil. Exactly. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make when they make hard-boiled eggs is if you put too much, let's say you use a gallon of water and you're you're making like three or four eggs, by the time that water comes to a boil, your eggs have cooked that much longer. Right. And so by using the by using just enough water to cover the eggs, you really control how long the eggs are actually cooking. Yes. Okay, a couple more Mad Genius tips and then we'll cook. For the fluffiest white rice, we should... Um, for the fluffiest white rice... Yes, you talk you about in the book... You should rinse it before yes. you steam it. Right. And, <laughs> and, and not enough people rinse rice. And mind you, for that, we don't rinse quinoa either, and we should. Yes. And 
Um, this game, first of all, is harder than I thought. <laughs> but wait, they're your... <laughs> Trying to remember everything that's in my I book. Know, but... I know, but they're your mad genius tips. And by the way, they immediately, uh, they immediately pulled me in because I was looking for Justin Genius and I found it and I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, but just specifically about the rice and the quinoa is people don't, people forget to rinse them. And, you know, it's not that they're necessarily dirty, but it's that rice has a lot of starch even when it's dried. And by rinsing off some of that starch, you allow the grains to kind of um, be free. Yes. And they don't stick to each other and they don't clump. And then you get a really fluffy, fluffy white rice. And it's the same is true for quinoa. Yeah, I loved that you shared a tip shared by a friend, in fact, that the quinoa cooks in lots of water. And then the same as rice, you put it back in the pan and you, you fluff it. I put a towel over the top of the pot and put the lid back on because I think it absorbs any excess moisture. Oh my gosh, that is going to be in my next book. I'm just giving you a heads up. Okay, good. Well, then, then <laughs> you'll... stealing that one from me. Okay, good. Then you'll forgive me because I was never intending to play Stump the Chef here. I just figured these genius tips were newfound Justin epiphanies. So, yeah, I lay <laughs> you... a towel over the top and then put a lid on. Some great chef taught me to do that or, you know, in a, in a professional kitchen I worked in years ago. And I thought, well, that's really smart because then it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't create excess moisture in that fluffing, quote unquote, process when there's, you know, evap- the evaporation that forms on the top of the lid. So you're totally. really drying out the rice, essentially. And that's how you get each individual grain. Right. A hundred percent. And, you know, yeah. you, t- you touched on something that was that's really important to me and that I hope comes through in the book is that um, as chefs and as cooks and home cooks, we all share our knowledge as yes. much as we can, whether it's passed down from generation to generation, like you, as you can read about in my book, but it's also passed from chef to chef, whether we work with someone or we cook their recipes from their books. And, you know, you, you might borrow a mad genius tip from me and then I borrow one from you. And eventually at some point I teach it to somebody else. And that's really how the skill and the technique is, you know, passed around the world. And mm. that's one of the things that um, I really try to highlight in my book because, you know, I've been with Food and Wine for eight years, and I've learned a lot from a lot of really great chefs, and I've been able to incorporate a lot of what I've learned mm. into the recipes. Such a blessing. I mean, that that's the ultimate in uh, pay it forward when it comes to gastronomy, for sure. Yes. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's delve into the recipes. Uh, Reuben toast for dinner tonight. Love the addition of a poached egg. Oh, yes. I know, right? Can you, it, it's, I know that you had mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago about like you never thought to do that to Reuben toast. And it's like, there's a lot of that in the book. And that specifically, you know, I was making Reuben sandwiches and I thought to myself, what could make this better? Mm. It has to be an egg. So yes. I made them open face. You know, you toast the bread in the oven, you top it with all the usual suspects, your corned beef, your sauerkraut, your little, your dressing. Um, but rather than closing the sandwich, you leave it open and you throw in a poached egg on top and it oh. really kind of transmit. I mean, I hate to put, put it in this, in this way, but it kind of makes it a little healthier. <laughs> oh, Justin, you always make me so hungry. I love it. Please stay with us when we come back more with Food & Wine's culinary director, Justin Chapel, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen, right after this.
back and we're dishing a very delicious weekend to you. Chef Jamie Gwen here with Chef Justin Chapel, the author of Just Cook It. I have a thing for Asian food, Justin. I don't know if you know that about me, but I have frozen shumai or pot stickers, either handmade if I made like a great big batch and made it a weekend project or from the Asian market, good quality frozen as a backup go-to. They're always mm-hmm. in my freezer. They're always in my freezer, too. Oh, good. Then you can come to my house and I can come to yours. It's perfect. <laughs> um, but I love the idea of a, of a stew, like, you know, a hearty bowl. And yes, that's a great protein to go to when you want to fill up your bowl. Totally. And, you know, that recipe kind of came about because I had extra on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do, like I said, I do keep them in the freezer, but it was one of those things where I was like, what can I do with this? What else can, what else can these be? And then that's when I got this idea that why don't I make a stew out of it? And so, you know, I just sauteed, um, when I created the recipe, I really just sauteed a little shallot, a little ginger, a little garlic, you know, the, you know, some aromatics I always have on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I threw in some greens. And when I developed the recipe, I actually had mustard ingredients on hand. Mm. But I've also cooked this recipe with kale. I've made it with escarole. Nice. Um, and I like to use uh, shiitake mushrooms here. And then with a little broth and some of those aromatics, um, and then the the shiitake, I'm sorry, the shumai, the frozen shumai, it really comes together as a really, really delicious, hearty, but kind of fresh tasting stew that I'm, that I eat on a regular basis. Yeah. And super simple. I mean, how easy is that for last minute dinner? Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it has an, a, a, an air of flair to it for sure. Totally. But yeah. one of the things I love about it is not only can it be kind of a last minute meal, but it's also something that I would, I would use to entertain. Like on a Saturday night, I would definitely serve this at an elegant dinner party. Oh, I'm loving that. Okay. So impressive enough for company. Now we're really, now we're really making it. Um, (laughs) Sweet summer tomatoes on their way soon. I loved the cocktail inspiration for, um, I'm calling it your nouveau panzanella salad. Oh yeah. I have, first of all, I, I kind of incorporate quite a few, you know, panzanella ish salads. Um, into my book, but this is ha- definitely my favorite is the Bloody Mary Panzanella because I love a Bloody Mary who doesn't love a Bloody Mary. Right, Bloody Marys are very popular in your house. I understand Bloody Marys go a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. yeah. We, I mean, we eat Bloody Marys on a, re- we, we enjoy Bloody Marys at home on a regular bi- basis. My husband, Jason, he's got a thing from, he makes them really pretty much every single weekend. Mm, nice. Um, and one of the things, so I oftentimes try to translate that into real recipes on a regular basis. So whether it's like a Bloody Mary steak, you know, like a steak with like basted <laughs> with tomato and yeah. served with horseradish. Um, but in this case, I turned it into a salad with crunchy ciabatta bread and mm. lots of olive oil and lemon juice and mm. tons of freshly grated horseradish because that's what you need. Yes. Um, and then, but the, one of the secrets here, believe it or not, besides having really nice ripe heirloom tomatoes, is celery seeds. And although the recipe only calls for, I think, a half teaspoon or three quarters of a teaspoon of celery seeds, it really, believe it or not, gives it that that flavor that is so reminiscent of a Bloody Mary. Of a Bloody Mary. You know, I happen to love celery seasoning, celery seeds, celery salt even. I remember. I love celery salt. So do I. And, you know, I pulled it from the back of the spice cabinet up front because the only thing, and it, it always um, was hidden in the back in mm-hmm. my childhood memories because my mom pulled it out to make coleslaw. 
But yes. how often, right, how often did you really have homemade coleslaw? I mean, we had it a good amount during the summer, but then it just went and disappeared and it got pushed back. And then baking season came, the cinnamon and the nutmeg came up and the celery salt got pushed back even farther. And I started using it again in pickled things and in spice rubs. And I love it. I love it too. And, um, you know, you just mentioned coleslaw being like a summer thing. I actually have a recipe in the book that, of course, uses celery seed or celery salt. And it's for kind of, uh, it's, a, it's for an apple and a pear slaw. Ooh, which, nice. Um, it's like a Brussels sprouts, apples and pears. So it's definitely ready for fall. Right. Um, so, you know, in the next few months, when fall approaches, definitely <laughs> well, think of you. pull out that celery yes. salt, pull out that celery seed, yeah. and make your slaw. Yeah, awesome. Love it. Um, okay, to end on a sweet note, are you changing the face of ganache for truffles? Because I think you are. <laughs> I'm trying to. Yes. Be- because what I think a lot of people don't realize, and this is one of the things that I, I really like to teach, because, you know, the, the big thing to remember about this book is, Food is not complicated. It shouldn't stress you out. It's only food, so you should just cook it. And one of the things I wanted to teach people was how to make truffles at home, chocolate truffles, because whether you just snack on them for dessert or whether you want to gift them for whatever, a birthday, for an anniversary, whatever, like it's one of those things that's really special. But imagine how special it can be if you make it at home. And I think that what people don't realize is that truffles are really just chilled ganache, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is like a chocolate and cream mixture. And so in the book, I, I basically have a, a really awesome recipe for DIY truffle, chocolate truffles. And the secret to it, drum roll please, is sweetened condensed milk. Right. So you're not even making traditional ganache anymore, but I love that you can use a bittersweet chocolate and even pretty, pretty high... Uh, percentage because you're offsetting it with the sweetened condensed milk. I can't wait to make those. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And that's exactly what I was going for because the sweetened condensed milk gives you that really, really silky texture, um, which you don't often get with really, really dark chocolate. Right, right. When you make a ganache. And so, um, but because the, the sweetened condensed milk is so sweet, you can incorporate that really, really delicious bittersweet chocolate. First recipe I'm making from the new book. And I'm, I'm over the moon. I'll let you know how it turns out. I'm sure there'll Please be do. brilliant truffles. Um, I love as well in the back of the book, your condiments and sauces. I think it's a testament to the fact that you can cook like a pro and still cheat, shortcut, or speed it up. So cheater, harissa, speedy preserved lemons, so smart. Yeah, they are really smart. And you know, I don't think people should be afraid of making their own condiments or making their own little sauces. Like, but the good news is if throughout the book, those, those like the cheetah harissa or mm-hmm. the speedy preserved lemons, they are used throughout the book. And nice. if you want to make the, the short, easy versions I have in the back of the book, that's great. But if you don't have the time, you're, you could totally pick it up at the store. So that's mm-hmm. one of the great things about that chapter of the book is, is all of the kind of condiments and sauces are used throughout the book, but they can also be substituted if, if that suits your fancy. And I, I like the way you cook because it's easy 
and it's fun and it's whimsical and that's why you're a mad genius and so we love you congratulations the new book is a a really beautiful example of justin chapel work from the heart and it comes through and i know everyone is very excited about it so i am um very grateful to have had you here and a very early peek at your new release um kudos to you Oh, thank you so much, Chef. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Food and Wine Culinary Director Justin Chappell's new book is entitled Just Cook It. And it has shortcuts and mad genius tips and recipes from the heart from his home kitchen. He's really dishing out his favorite recipes and techniques. And it is a must-have and essential, as far as I'm concerned, to add to your Justin Chappell collection. So do check it out. And you can follow Justin's culinary escapades, of course, at Justin Chapel on social and a, a new book in the works, Justin, or what's next? Um, I have a couple ideas that I'm Good. working out and hopefully um, I feel like I just got done with this one, but I'm hoping <laughs> to pull something together yeah, um, and I, announce it soon. A new baby soon. And things are busy <laughs> at Food and Wine. I know. Congratulations, culinary director status as you, uh, as you grow to new heights. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a an incredible experience. I'm so proud to be here. Oh, and, and you should be because it's well-deserved. So thank you again. We do have great culinary thinkers on this show and you just heard Mad Genius from Justin Chapel. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and there is more fabulous food right after this. Feeding your soul, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Doesn't everyone want to live Nathan Turner's dreamy California lifestyle? Well, now you can. You know him and love him from his Today Show features and his Melrose Avenue store filled with gorgeous decor. And he's sharing his secrets once again to creating the perfect sun-kissed 
California vibe, no matter what zip code you live in. It's his new book release, and I am so delighted to have Nathan Turner back on the show. The book is absolutely beautiful, called Nathan Turner's I Love California, to live, eat, and entertain the West Coast way. So, We are entertaining with Nathan Turner himself, as he is here to dish. And I'm glad to have you back. Hi, Nathan. Hi, it's so nice to be back. Thank Thank you for having me. Well, of course. And congratulations. The new book is very aspirational, and it's so quintessential you. It's very dreamy. I sort of slobbered on the pages a little bit. Um, That's such a compliment. Well, of course. Um, Tell us what inspires your style ongoing, because I think it's really been wonderful to watch the culmination of your career and see its evolution. Well, you know, it's funny because some people are surprised that I came out with a cookbook, and albeit a very different cookbook. It's heavy on the lifestyle, and it even has a little bit of travel element. But people that know me know that I've been cooking my entire life. So um, it's a very natural thing to me. And I always say I'm a creative person. So I'm into creating a beautiful lifestyle as opposed to just an interior. Or I want want to live in a pretty interior and eat great food and have a nice table all at the same time. And I believe that you've proven to us that with your clever tips and suggestions and sharing your wealth of knowledge that we too can aspire to that. I also think the the cookbook, um, as you've called it, because it's a Nathan Turner book to me, but I think it's a testament to the fact that simplicity in recipes, and I mean that as a compliment, is really, I would say, holds weight, that, that there's power in it. For sure. I mean, I am not a, a chef, I, and I don't claim to be. I am a home cook, and I grew up cooking in a very food-centric family. And I wanted to share what works for me. I love to entertain, and I love to have my friends and family over. And so the recipes in the book are, you know, tried-and-true family recipes that have been around for generations and things that work for me that I, I, you know, my go-to, I'm having eight friends over for Sunday lunch, what am I going to do? And um, I thought, you know, I've been doing this for a while, and I have my system, and I think it works pretty well, and I'd really like to share it. And and it comes across just that way. So uh, let's throw a party, shall we? Summer is coming, um, and I love the Hope Valley menu where you're entertaining entirely outdoors. So teach us how to make your pesto crusted lamb chops. That menu is just beautiful. Oh my gosh, isn't that yummy? And it is that's at my parents' place and up in the Sierra Nevada. And it's just, you know, like you said, it's it's you want to be outside. You Mm want to enjoy the outdoors and that's what summer's about. And uh, you know, I'm all about creating an outdoor environment and you know, bringing bringing the, you know, your life outside and enjoying your food and your friends and everything outdoors. Um, that menu is um, that lamb I've been making for ages, and I make a, a pesto that is not a traditional pesto because it has a lot of parsley in it. It's mm-hmm. probably half and half, parsley and basil, and which gives it a, um, I, I, like a bright flavor that is is so nice and it makes me just think of spring Mm. and i you know rub that on the lamb and um top it with some breadcrumbs and put it in the oven and it makes such a like lovely crust with Mm. with that rich uh, basil parsley pesto and yummy 
there you go. I am planning a Malibu country party based on, oh, oh, yes, based on your tri-tip and broccoli with garlic and red pepper flakes and pancetta roasted potatoes Mm. menu. That looks awesome. Um, And I I love all of the design inspiration in the book. I really find it so inspiring to plan a party that you're proud of, where you can incorporate things that you have to really elevate, you know, your table. Um, And the ideas are very much cherished. So congratulations to you. Uh, A cookbook release from Nathan Turner, uh, very necessary today, and one that we should all have in our collection. Nathan Turner's I Love California, How to Live, Eat, and Entertain the West Coast Way is available now on Amazon and everywhere. It has Nathan's signature recipes for California comfort food, some really tasty cocktails, and some wonderful tips for entertaining. And it is so in Nathan Turner's style. It's a beautiful book. Nathan, I thank you you for being here. Congratulations again. Thank you for sharing your passion. And come back soon, please. Jamie, it's always so nice chatting. Thank you. Come back anytime. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of insightful information to make every day more delicious. I will leave you with my last bite for the weekend, my final thoughts on recipe inspiration. Do you want to upgrade your Easter table? Well, I have a whimsical recipe for you in two words. Peeps s'mores. Oh, yes. The ideal holiday treat. You simply combine chocolate ganache with a sugary marshmallow peep topping uh, baked in a shallow oven-safe dish to sweet, gooey perfection. And what could be better, right? I use classic graham crackers, or you could use your favorite cookies for dipping. And so here goes. You'll make a very basic ganache by heating a half a cup of heavy whipping cream just to a simmer and pouring it over two cups of semi-sweet or dark chocolate chips in a mixing bowl. Then stir to combine and pour the ganache into a shallow casserole dish or even a cast iron skillet. Arrange peeps in a colorful pattern on top and bake at 450 degrees until golden brown takes about five minutes or so. The marshmallows, they puff and the chocolate is all ooey gooey delicious. And again, graham crackers dipped in make for the ultimate peeps s'more. I will post a photo and the recipe on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find me at Chef Jamie Gwen, and I will meet you here next weekend when we will continue to celebrate food together. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Well,